pickle. Guys, the today's text is a significant pickle. Today's text is a pickle, man. Somebody's in trouble. Somebody messes up. Somebody messes up. Somebody does not do right um, here in, in this text. Uh, man, uh, we're in our second week. Uh, this is our second week of this crossover study, and we're going through the life of Abraham in Genesis, the book of Genesis, chapters 12 uh, through 22. And, man, we learned last week that uh, Abraham is the father of faith. Uh, he is the father of faith. Man. In order to save us from our sin, God had to be born into the world in Jesus Christ. He had to be born into the world in Jesus Christ. And to begin this lineage, he had to begin a lineage of descendants to eventually get there. And to begin this lineage, you've got to start somewhere, right? Abraham is where he started. Abraham is the very beginning of this line of this lineage. And he started with Abraham, which makes Abraham the first Jewish person, the first Hebrew person. Abraham is the first Hebrew person. And that word Hebrew, and we're going to connect this to the title of this, this study, the word, the word Hebrew means, it means to cross over. It means to traverse. It means to travel. It means to be a pilgrim. It means to cross over. God is taking Abraham and his family on a quest. He's taking them on a quest, uh, and they're called to cross over, to cross over from the kingdom of the world to the kingdom of God. Right? The, an old way to a new way. From an old identity to a new identity. From their way to God's way. He's telling them, he's calling them to cross over. And Abraham's faith, Abraham's faith in this God of Israel uh, moves, him into, it moves him into places in his heart and in the world that he never knew was possible. He never knew this was possible, man. And we're going to see a, a man, and we're going to continue to see a, a, a man and his family uh, just like us. Man, sin and struggle and have successes and have victories, uh, but have failures. Um, but in the middle of it all is God's faithfulness. In the middle of all is God's faithfulness. And most importantly, uh, we're going to see, uh, we see Jesus. And we see how Jesus uh, took the ultimate quest by crossing over from heaven to earth to come and to save us and to change our lives, to transform us and to, and to grow us. And ultimately, the end goal of this study is to grow in our faith, to grow closer to God, and for us to continuously cross over into God's purposes uh, for our day-to-day -day lives. Man, last week we saw God powerfully call Abraham. God powerfully uh, called Abraham into his purpose uh, for, that he has for him and his wife and his family and also into this purpose for the world because God is thinking down the road, he's, got, he's coming, he's coming and he's got to start this line somewhere and he's starting with this family. And if, if you didn't listen to that sermon, if you weren't here, man, we have all of our messages online on our YouTube channel and on our website. Uh, and then, but we saw also last week, uh, he reluctantly answered the call. He reluctantly answered. Man, he goes from no way, from no way to halfway to all the way. It took him time. It took him time to answer this powerful call. But today, man, Abraham gets in a pickle. He gets in a pickle, man. Abraham messes up. This man of faith, and he messes up. Man, as people of faith, we're not perfect. We're not perfect, man. We struggle, we have victories, and we have successes, but we fail. 
We fail, we sin, but we're going to see God's faithfulness in Abraham's failure and in this pickle that he gets his family into. So let's just get into the text here. We're going to start at verse 10. We're in Genesis chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 10. It says this, Now there was a famine in the land. Now there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt uh, to live there for a while because the famine was severe. So Abram and his family, we learned last week that God led them to the land of Canaan, it was called the land of Canaan, uh, which is the promised land. It's the promised land, and that is right where God wanted them to be. That was right where he wanted them to be, and, uh, he, and they're not to leave. But then here, Abraham detours. Abram detours, and Abram, he actually crosses over, which is great, but he crosses over in the wrong direction. <laughs> He crosses over in the wrong direction, not the direction that he should. Why? Why does he cross over in the wrong direction? Why does he leave right where God wants him to be, where he wants his family to be? Well, he leaves because of the famine. He leaves because of this famine. He has a crisis of faith. He has a crisis of faith, and really, the going got tough. A famine comes at that time, uh, the going gets tough. You know, the heat is on. The going gets tough. Uh, everything became uncertain. Everything became uncertain. Uh, we no longer, they, they no longer had control over the situation. You know, the situation is out of control and fear settles in. And then when fear settles in, what happens? Anxiety blooms. When fear settles in, anxiety blooms when we, have, when we don't have control. And guys, I'm not, let's be honest. Abraham, he, he had a right to be concerned about feeding his family. Absolutely. There's no question about it. He should be concerned about feeding his family and about this famine. But it's wrong to think that God wouldn't provide them for them in this place. It's wrong for him to think that, hey, God called him to this place, and here comes this famine... It's wrong to think that they have to leave. If God calls them to a place, then when the going gets tough, God will provide. He will provide for you in the place that he called you to. He will provide. But Abram here, he found it easier to trust God for those big far-off promises. Remember last week, those promises that God made to Abram and his family, that some of those were big far-off promises. He, he trusted him for that. Those big far-off promises, but when it comes to the right now situation, the situation in the moment right now, man, Abram doesn't trust God. He doesn't trust God. And where do they go? They go, they go to Egypt. They don't take an extended stay at your best Western hotel, man. They take an extended stay in, in this place called Egypt. And for the first time, oh, Egypt enters the biblical story. And Egypt plays a major role in the lives of God's people. And as you see in Scripture, Egypt is a place that God's people should never be. Egypt is a place that God's people should never be. Guys, have you ever, have you ever been in a situation where the going gets tough? You're, you feel like you're right where I should be, right? You feel like where you need to be. This is, I feel like God's calling me here. This is where I need to be. But then the going gets tough. Man, the, the heat is on. You no longer have control over a situation. Some of us might be some control freaks. So I can be sometimes. We no longer have control. There's no, there's no longer certainty 
about what's happening in our lives in this moment, man, fear settles in. And then when fear settles in, anxiety blooms. Have you, has that ever happened to you guys with, with something? Man, these famines in our lives, these famines that can just sweep in. It can be, it can be a bad doctor's report. It can be a bad doctor's report where, man, I don't have control anymore, man. I'm, this is uncertain. This is uncertain. I don't know what's going to happen in the future with this bad doctor's report. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's a divorce or a death, a death of a loved one. A death of a loved one. Maybe it's unemployment, bankruptcy. Man, maybe it's the emotional and psychological just oh, of raising young kids. <laughs> Man, I get it. Now, my wife and I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Sometimes I feel like I am in, like, a famine, man. Like, it is just an, an emotional and psychological, like, warfare with these kids. And sometimes, man, I'm just dried up. I am just dried up with these kids, man. And, and that can be a famine. Man, what's, what's this, like, famine that you might have going on in your life or maybe in the past? Man, if you feel like you haven't, it's going to happen. Man, it's going to come, these, these, these dry seasons in your life where, man, what, what I thought, what, where I thought I had control, like, I don't have control anymore, man. And then you start to fear, and anxiety starts to come, and then you just want to leave. You want to leave the situation, guys. Wherever God calls us, wherever God calls us, when the going gets tough, when the heat is on, we can trust Him. We can trust Him to give us what we need to get through it. Man, if he called me here, then I can trust that he will provide for me here. I can trust him. I can trust God. Man, back in 2008 when I used to be a PGA golf professional, I was working at um, probably like one of the best golf courses in the world. And uh, it was a dream job of mine. Uh, I was there for a number of years. And then in 2008, during that economic you know, crash, um, I got laid off. I got laid off from my job, and man, I had just started to follow Jesus. It's funny, right? You think when you start following Jesus, everything goes, come, becomes perfect, right? No, that's not how it goes at all. I had just started following Jesus, and I get laid off from this job, and that's a real shot to the gut. That was a real shot to the gut, man. And I just kind of like went into this like famine season in my life where I didn't have control over my career anymore. I didn't have control over my, 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 my immediate future. I was like, what is going on? So I get into emergency mode and I have to, I got to get a job, right? You got to get a job. So I kind of just like put out ra random resumes to just like, you know, a lot of clubs that normally I wouldn't have pursued, jobs I wouldn't normally have pursued. Um, and I got a job in Savannah at this country club. And, um, and I, I go there, and man, I can see how God might be working. You know, I trusted him that I got laid off, but I felt like God was in this with me. He was working, and he was moving me somewhere else. But when I got to this country club, man, this place was a wreck. This place was a, like the leadership was just jacked up. The leadership was really poor. Uh, man, there was infighting. There was so much gossip within the staff. Uh, people were like talking trash behind my back. Uh, people were trying to squeeze me out of my job. I just couldn't believe like what was happening. I was like, God, what has happened here? I was just at like the best job I've ever had in my life. And everything was awesome. Great staff, great leadership, like just prospering. 
And then I get laid off and I get into this country club where everything is just jacked up. And for a year, I, I endured this for a year. Like, what is happening? This is a complete joke. And I just felt so dry, man. And you know what happens? Man, after a year, I was like, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> you know, God, I, you may have called me here, but I got to get out. I got to get out. So my old job was hiring again, and I, I, I left. I got out, and I took the job at where I used to work, at that great place. And I was like, yes, back where I, back where I belong. But it actually didn't take long when I was back in that job when I was like, you know what? I don't think I did the right thing. <laughs> I don't think I did the right thing because I started to see, you know, in hindsight, right? Hindsight is 2020. I think I was right where God wanted me to be in Savannah. I think I was right where he wanted me to be because I was pursuing a head golf professional job. And, and what happened shortly after I left was my old boss, uh, who was a part of the problem there, man, he got fired or, or he left. And I could have moved into that position, uh, which is something that I, I would have wanted I could have moved into that position, and not only that, but my wife and I were long distance for a long time in our relationship. She was in Charleston, South Carolina, and she was getting ready to move to Savannah so we wouldn't have to be long distance anymore. And then I just bounce. I leave Savannah, and ultimately, uh, we get engaged, and uh, we, you know, we get married. Um, and I was like, God, I need to go back to Savannah. <laughs> I prayed. I was like, man, I need to go. I, I should have been there. Man, I shouldn't have left. I shouldn't have left Savannah. But man, God, um, in his faithfulness, uh, in my repentance, and, and just in, my, in the humility of saying, God, I shouldn't have done this, man, he brought me back. Uh, he, 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 he gave me a way back to Savannah in his faithfulness. And we're going to see that uh, here in this text where God brings Abram and his family back to where they should be. But guys, I left where I was called to be because there was a famine. Man, I got into fight or flight mode, right? You ever heard of fight or flight mode? Where, man, when the going gets tough and the heat is on, you either fight or you get out. Man, if we're, if we're, we're called to be, man, we're, we, we need to fight. Man, we need to be patient, have patient endurance, and keep telling God, God, you called me here, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay here, and I'm going to trust you that you are going to provide for me. But man, I actually found it easier to trust God with those big far-off promises. I did. I found it easier to trust God with those big far-off promises, but when it came to the smaller right-now situation, man, when it was right on me, I didn't trust God. I didn't trust God. I failed. I failed. I didn't trust Him. So Abram, he doesn't trust God in this famines. They go to Egypt where they shouldn't be. They should never be in Egypt. And let's see what the text says as it continues. It says, as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. Okay, points. <laughs> points for Abram, right? Points for Abram. He's basically like, listen, Sarai, let's be real here. You're hot. You're hot. Let's be real here. Sarai is 60. Abram is like 75 right now. Sarai is like 60 years old. She's a beautiful woman, 60 years old. And he's basically, listen, baby, you're good looking. 
this is not a marriage sermon, but, you know, guys, husbands, if you have a wife next to you, turn to them right now and just be like, you're beautiful. <laughs> when was the last time you guys did that? When was the last time you told your wife you were beautiful? Yesterday. Okay. All right. We need to say that more. When I read this text and I was studying it, I, I emailed my wife this week. I was like, hey, Abram said that Sarai was beautiful. I just wanted to let you know that you're beautiful. <laughs> and guys, look, look what it says. It says. I know what a beautiful woman you are. But then look how it goes. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. Listen, Sarai, you're beautiful. When we get to Egypt, Pharaoh's going to kill me and take you. Lie. Lie. He tells his wife to lie, so I'm treated well, and my life is spared. Guys, under the shadow of fear, Abram's mind is speeding. It's planning. You can see he's think, he thinks he's got it all figured out. He thinks he's got it all figured out. Man, under fear and anxiety, have you ever tried to control a situation? Have you ever tried to control a situation in your mind to start speeding and planning and manipulating? You think you've got it all mapped out and you know how the future is going to go like your Doc Brown? Movie reference. Do you guys get that? <laughs> You guys are slow on me, man. Y'all need to speed up. Guys, fear often leads to lying. Fear leads to lying. It leads to manipulating. It leads to controlling behavior. And it did for Abram. It did for Abram. Man, he thinks about himself. He thinks about himself here. And he tells his wife to lie. Guys, he didn't trust the Lord to provide, but in his own scheme and his deception... Man, he trusted himself. He trusted himself. He trusted himself in this deception, guys. God, God's call is not always about being in a physical place. You know, he might be like, you know, I'm calling you to leave here and go here. He's done that with them. He did that with them. But sometimes, God, his call, his call is often like a state of being. It's a state of being somebody, a state of being somebody. Just as much as God can call us somewhere, his calls are also his commands and how to live. Man, how to be somebody. Man, God, for example, God calls us to not bear false witness. He calls us to not bear false witness. Man, he calls us to not lie, to not deceive, but to be true and to be honest people, people of integrity. People of integrity that glorify Him. Man, I hear stories all the time about situations and jobs, people's jobs where like, hey, you know, we, we've got this new client, this possible new client. They could bring like hundreds of thousands of dollars into the company of revenue and my boss wants me to try and get this client, but my boss is asking me to do some unethical things. And there's also another employee that's going for this client too who has a family. And man, uh, we're struggling. Like we have this famine in our life and our, our family is struggling for finances and this client is here and what a great opportunity. But my boss is calling me to do some unethical things to, to make this happen. And it might also involve me, you know, taking advantage of my coworker and putting him in a spot, right? 
should I lie and should I deceive and should I do these unethical things just so I can win this client because I'm in this famine with my family? Or, hey, I trust God. I trust God. God, you're going to provide. You're going to provide. I don't have to lie. I don't have to, I don't have to deceive or, or, or plan these schemes to be able to win this client over. I trust you, God. I'm going to stay faithful to you in this moment, in this right now situation. I'm going to stay faithful to you, and I'm going to wait for you to provide because I trust you. Man, it can be something like that. It can be something like that. What, is this, what, what, is, what does the scripture say next? Here we go. Verse 14, it says, When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. Abram was right. Abram was right. Got to hand it to him. It happened just as he thought it would. Abram was right. It all happened just as he thought it would. But that doesn't justify his decision to lie and manipulate. It doesn't justify his decision to lie and manipulate. Man, while his life was spared, his wife's life was in great danger. Guys, Pharaoh's a bad man. He's a bad man. Not like the bad man that Nick Foles is. You know, you think of Nick Foles, you're like, that dude's a bad man, right? No, Pharaoh was literally like a bad dude. He was literally like a bad man. He, he collected like a large harem of women to sleep with. He collects this large harem of women to sleep with, and that's what Sarai is going into. That's what Abram is calling his wife to lie and, and get into this situation. Can you imagine her just being like, dude, babe, what did you get me, what did you get me into? I'm in this harem of women right now, and Pharaoh's like sleeping with all of us. What did you get me into? What a husband. What a husband. Can you imagine Sarai? Not only is Sarai in danger, but her purity was too. Because listen, because listen, because the Messiah would come from Sarai's line. Because the Messiah Jesus would come from her line. God didn't want her womb defiled. God didn't want her womb defiled. They're in trouble right now. They're in trouble right now. Abram's decision to go to Egypt had a reach that went further than he could see with his own eyes. And he's not thinking about, okay, this Messiah is coming from our line, from, from Sarai's womb, and he's not thinking that way, man. He's not thinking big picture. The way he's seeing things, man, his, his actions have a further reach than he can see right now in this moment. And so do ours. So do ours, guys. We don't know the future. We don't know the future. We don't know what God's going to do. But man, if, if we're living in, in lies and deception and disobedience to God and we're, we're not living in his calling on our lives, guys, our actions and our decisions can have a further reach than we can see. A further reach than we can see in our lives. Leaving God's will for us and lying and manipulating, they have a reach that go further than we can see right now. Guys, wherever, wherever and however God calls us, we can trust him to provide. I'm telling you that right now. We can trust him to provide. Even when the heat is on. Even when we have a crisis of faith. Even when we have a crisis of faith, we can trust God to provide. 
And let me tell you something. To see his faithfulness proven, to see his faithfulness proven, we don't need to go any further or anywhere else but the cross. We don't need to go anywhere else but the cross. Guys, because of, because of sin, we have a spiritual famine. Now, we have a spiritual famine in our lives. Sin separates us from God and His peace, His freedom, His vitality. Sin separates us from that. We're made for a personal relationship with God, but we leave. We leave and we go. We bounce. We go our own way. We do, we do what Abram did. Man, we leave where we were called to be. We're called to a relationship with God in Christ. But we leave. We go elsewhere to find this security and this fulfillment that we're looking for desperately. Man, we leave. On the cross, Jesus suffered the ultimate famine. On the cross, Jesus suffered the ultimate famine. But he trusted his heavenly Father completely. And he didn't detour. He didn't detour. He went right to the cross. And he did that for us. He did that for us. He endured the ultimate famine for us. And he didn't leave. He didn't go anywhere. On the cross, God provided for the big faraway promise. He provided for the big faraway promise. Salvation. Eternity. He provided that. Man, if I can trust God with that, with, with, the, with salvation, if I can trust him and what he did on the cross for that, then I can trust him for the right now situations. When you look at the cross, is that how you think? Man, God, you did this for me, and my, my salvation is complete because of what you did on the cross. That's a big faraway promise. And if I can trust him for that, then I can trust him for the right now smaller situations, the right now smaller needs. I can trust him for that. Guys, the cross is screaming, you can trust me. The cross is screaming, look at me. Man, you can trust me. I love you. I'm providing for you for that big far off promise. You can trust me right now in this situation, right now, in, this, in your smaller needs. If I provided for you in that, if I provided for you in this, in the cross, I will provide for you in that right now. Wherever your famine is in your life, he will provide for you. Guys, when the heat is on, when the heat is on, we don't have to lie. And we don't have to control. We don't have to manipulate. We don't have to leave. Guys, when we trust ourselves, all we get is fear and anxiety. When we trust ourselves. But when we trust God, man, we get freedom. We get freedom. We get peace. And we get vitality from God. So how does this go? How, how, does, this all, how does this all shake out here? Let's continue in the scripture in verse 17. It says, But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So, so Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Get out. He's just like, get out. Get out of my face. This is ridiculous. What a joke. Get out of here. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. What Abram did wasn't good for him and Sarai. 
And it wasn't good for Pharaoh. It wasn't good for Pharaoh and his own household. Guys, remember last week in the promises, God called Abram all of these promises. One of those promises was God, was Abram, I'm calling you to be a blessing. I'm calling you to be a blessing to people. To be a blessing to people. And what happens here? Man, Abram becomes a curse. Abram becomes a curse to Pharaoh and his household. This is not good. Man, it doesn't matter how bad Pharaoh is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who our enemy is. We are called to be a blessing to everybody, even our enemies. Not a curse. Not a curse. Abram becomes a curse to Pharaoh when he was called to be a blessing to people around him. And so are we. That's a calling on us, man. Nobody wins. Nobody wins, man, when we lie and we manipulate and we control a situation. Nobody wins when we leave God's will for our lives and where he's calling us or how he's calling us to act. Nobody wins when we do that. Our decisions and actions have a considerable impact on others. Considerable impact on other people around us. And also, the events of today, today's text, puts in motion much of what happens later in Abram and Sarai's life. Much of the stuff that we're going to see later in this study is because of this failure. Because of this failure. Man, it is a far, far-reaching consequences for, for his failure uh, today. And, and the scripture continues in chapter 13, verse 1. So... So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him, into the Negev. Now Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold, and he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. So God brings him back. He brings him back to where he's supposed to be. He brings him back to the start. Let's try this again. God's like, let's try this again. Let's, let's go back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you back, God, faithfully, faithfully, and sovereignly course corrects Abram. He course corrects Abram back to where they belong despite, despite his sin and his failure. Despite this. God protected Abram and Sarai and redeemed their situation even when Abram didn't do what he should have. Even when he didn't do what he should have. God did this. God is faithful. God did not rescind his promises from last week. He did not rescind any of those promises to Abram because of his performance. He messed up. But God didn't rescind these promises because the promise depended on God. It didn't depend on Abram. It depended on God. Through the famine, God was pressing and growing and challenging Abram to depend on him more. God was pressing and challenging and growing Abram to depend on him more. God used this famine. God didn't cause this famine. He, he allowed this famine to, ha- to happen and he used it to test this little man, Abram. To test him. Man, not to discover his faith, God knows us. He knows Abram. He knows every hair in his head and what he's thinking and how he's feeling in his heart. He's not testing Abram so God can find out about his faith. Man, he's giving this test to Abram so Abram can find out where he is in his faith. 
That's why he's testing Abram. So Abram himself can see, man, I'm not where I thought I was. My faith is not, all, is not as all, all awesome and great as I thought it was. Man, he humbles Abram. He humbles Abram. And that happens to us, man. Now we're, we're going to see how this failure, it becomes a slingshot. This failure becomes a slingshot for the growth of Abram's faith and the growth in his life. We'll see that in, in, the, in the next several Sundays. This, this failure becomes a slingshot for his faith. Now, when we, play, when we place our faith and trust in Christ, when we place our faith and trust in Christ for salvation and for our life, we enter into a covenant with God that's not based on our performance. It's based on Jesus' performance. It's based on Jesus' performance. There is no wrong that you can do that Jesus hasn't already done right for you. There is no wrong that you can do that Jesus hasn't already done right for you. But let me tell you, this is not a license. This is not a license to just abandon God's will. This is not a license to lie and to manipulate. That's not what this is. His grace is not a license to do these things. His grace is an entry point into growth. It's an entry point into growth. Man, these crises of faith that we have, these famines, these crises of faith, they're, they're tests that God uses to reveal to us our faith to ourselves. And when we run back to Him, God grows us. Deeper, genuine faith comes from failure. It comes from failure. It comes from sin. Man, I know that from my own experience. Deeper faith... And growth in our life comes from failure. Because when we went through faith, we receive Jesus into our hearts through the Holy Spirit and we grow in His wisdom. Man, we grow in His compassion. We grow in, in His patience, in His endurance. Man, we get the wisdom of Jesus. We get the wisdom of Jesus to, to see the, the reach of our decisions down the road. We get the wisdom of Jesus, man. We, we, get, we get the compassion of Jesus. We get the compassion of Jesus to understand, uh, to understand the impact of our decisions on others. I've got these people around me and my decisions impact others. It takes compassion to have that kind of, that mind, that heart, those eyes. Man, we get Jesus' compassion. Man, we get the patient endurance. We get the patient endurance of Jesus to trust God for those big far off promises but also for those smaller right now situations. We get the patient endurance of Jesus for those things. But I can tell you with confidence, I can tell you with confidence, you're going to fail. <laughs> At some point, you're not going to trust God. You're not going to trust God. You're going to fail. I can tell you that with confidence from my own experience. You're not going to trust God. There are going to be times when you won't do it. You won't do it. You're going to fail. Is that hard to hear? Man, we're not called to be perfect. Jesus is perfect. We're not called to be perfect. Man, we're called to listen. We're called to pursue Jesus. We're called to be faithful. But man, we are not called to be perfect. God is faithful. God is faithful. He's not faithful to people who are perfect. He's not faithful to people who are perfect or, or trust Him perfectly. That's not how this works. 
That's not how this works. He is faithful to those who simply have faith. That's it. Even just a little bit. Just a little bit of genuine faith. A mustard seed of genuine faith. God is faithful. You're going to fail. There are going to be times when you don't trust God. But like Abram, in your failure, in your failure, let God grow you in dependence on Him. Grow you in dependence on Him by always landing back at the cross. By always landing back at the cross. Because it's at the cross, it's the cross that shows us, it's the cross that shows us that God has all of the grace that we need in our sin and in our failure.